listening to The Smoking Section, powered by Symphonic. Here we are for another episode, season five. We have here a person who um, people have been blowing up my phone about. She went on tour with this, you know, just this little known country artist named Tim McGraw and blew everyone's minds. And she has millions of streams. I bet you this five-year-old Illinois girl is like looking, <laughs> looking up to her like, oh my God, there's your dreams. Ladies and gentlemen, Alexandra Kay, how are you? Hello, I'm so good. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on. It's been one of those mornings that we both just talked about. Yes. One of those mornings. <laughs> <laughs> It has. Everything that could have gone wrong did, but yet here we are. Exactly. That <laughs> seems about right with my life. <laughs> right. What, same with me. Same with me. Perseverance, right? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about this because you've been on you were on a road. By the way, I saw the video and I knew long before the it was announced that you were going to be on tour with Tim. Because <laughs> uh, the team told me. Members of their team told me. Wow. And um, they were, I was like, so this is when I found out about you because I didn't know much about you. And then they were like, no, we have Alexander K going on the tour. I'm like, who's Alexander K? <laughs> and they're like, you can check her out. I'm like, okay, I'll check her out. But who is she? And they were like, it's just like the story. And then the story that they told about how I wouldn't watch a TikTok video about you singing the song. What was it? Uh, don't take the girl. Yeah. Don't yeah. take the girl. Um, which that's a Tim McGraw classic. If you guys don't know, it's a Tim McGraw classic. Um, but we were sitting there talking about it and they were like, it's just, so they pulled up, the person pulled up the video of Tim's reaction. And I'm like, yeah, I don't realize how much I just made this girl's dreams on TikTok. Then they said to me, you don't realize how much you just changed your life by going on tour with Tim McGraw. <laughs> I mean, I always say, you know, ever since that whole thing happened, I sing Don't Take the Girl at all my shows. I do like a very broken down acoustic moment of it and the whole crowd screams it. It's so special every night. But how I how I always um, introduce it is just like it's a song that changed my life. Just making that one video was. Yeah, it's crazy for you to be able to go on tour with the guy who sings that and like such a legend. Mm-hmm. This is not like someone like I'm not knocking anyone, but it's not like someone who's just like a B actor or like it's been around for been around for 20 years, 30 years, and it's just a B actor, whatever. No, this is someone who's been around 20 or 30 years and is a legend. I mean, an incredible amount of number ones, millions yeah. and millions and millions and millions of records sold. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. And and honestly, whenever I got the call, I was most excited about all I was gonna be able to learn. Just having this learning opportunity. It was it was like getting a master's class every single night. So what and, have you learned from him? Huh. Like, just give me, just give me like three things you learned from, from being, cause you, cause you, it wasn't just you opening from, you actually got on the stage perform with them as yes. well. So yeah. what have you learned from the great Tim McGraw? Well, what I learned from him, from a performance aspect, one of the big things of watching his show every single night is that it's all about the songs you can't do anything without great songs. You can, you can go up on stage and you can add the flair. You can add the lights. You can add the pyro. You can run around. You can add trampolines and do backflips. But the people aren't there for that. They're there for the songs. And when you strip all of that down and you take that away and you put on a show like Tim McGraw puts on where he's not doing backflips on stage, you know, fire isn't shooting into the air. Like we, and you can just stand there and command a crowd based based on the words you are singing and with the conviction you are singing them, that's country music. I learned a lot about who I want to be as a songwriter and who I want to be as a performer from him as well. Um, But one of the biggest lessons was the way that he treated all of us backstage. Everything was great watching him on stage, but to rub shoulders with him every single day, to sit down with him and have lunch. I mean, that's how he was. He was just a normal person backstage and he would sit down and he would tell us stories and about his career and climbing and, you know, who we would talk about who he was envious of when he was coming up and in that competition aspect that we all feel as artists, we all want to be friends, but we're all competitive people by nature. And so it's like how to navigate that. And honestly, he's just one of the most kind and genuine and generous people I've ever met in my entire life. And that's who I want to be. And I'm always going to work to be that. Wow. Yeah. That is, I guess that's, I've, I've never heard, I mean, cause I'm a huge Tim McGraw fan. I've never heard, and I've never heard 
anyone described to McGraw the way you just described to McGraw. And it's just, you can't fake that. That, that. That's not, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's a no bullshit answer. And that's a, you know, um, just a, a, a testament to his character on that. Um, Absolutely. So. And to be able to bring this out every single night. Yeah. He not only was saying, he not only was like, I'm going to bring you out to open my show, which you have to really trust that artist in order to let them open your show. I mean, this is a reflection on his show. It, it, it sets the tone for the entire night. And so it's a huge position to be in. And I think that a lot of artists um, kind of over, it's an oversight for them because they're like, oh, I'm first of three and no one's going to be there. And there was a lot of people there. I mean, I played for, you know, five to, you know, seven, 8,000 people every single night by the time I stepped out on stage. And there was still Russell Dickerson and then Tim to play. And I felt that responsibility every single night to set the tone for, for the both of them to come out, but not only for him to give us that huge responsibility, but then to bring us out in front of a packed amphitheater of 20,000 people and let us sing one of his biggest hits with him to give us part of his spotlight moment. I mean, he's a stand-up guy. There's just no. Yeah. I, um, I've had a lot of friends who are fans who like went to the show this year. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that a lot of people came to see you. (laughs) Thank you. I can tell you that there was a lot of people in the crowd who probably came to see you as well and knew who you were. Thank you. Don't don't, don't just say because, oh, it's Tim McGraw. People are showing up. No, I get that. But no, there was some people out there in that crowd that came to see you. Well, thank you. I will say that I worked very, very hard to sell those tickets. I, um, um, so I, I had like, two, I had two options and there are a lot of people who would get this opportunity and would be like, I mean, it's Tim McGraw. People are going to buy tickets and I'm just going to play for his crowd. And I really, really, really wanted to have my fans there. I wanted to sell these tickets and I wanted to kind of prove myself as an independent artist that I can sell our tickets as well, because that's something as I climb that people doubt, which is the whole reason why we went on the inner life tour and did what we did. That, that was that's so that that's what I I'm glad you said that because I'm one of those people who doubt the TikTokers. Mm-hmm. And this and this is not I not anything against them because I have a lot of friends are TikTok artists that are friends of mine. Yeah. TikTokers. So it's nothing against them. But when he, when you get signed, obviously during COVID and everything like that, and you're as people who got signed on labels from TikTok because that's what labels were looking at at that point in time. My issue was music's oh, music's good. Okay, cool. Quality music. Radio singles, great. My issue is, but can they sell tickets? Can they move tickets? Can you just, can you go and, and people know who you are? Because back in the day when social media was really popping and you be you were able to buy followers and buy likes on Facebook and then you like, you get your shows and like you're selling your shows to, to these to these venues, like, well, I have 50,000 likes or whatever, blah, blah. And then you get to the show and the venue and there's no one that shows up. And like, why would you even want to do that? That is right. so... <laughs> That, that to me is like, do you see what my face did? Like, yeah. I, like no, that is not it. Right. Like, why, why would you even want to do that? And here's, here's the thing. And I, I, I love that we're talking about this because I could talk about it for hours. <laughs> um, this is my bread and butter. Like I, I absolutely love to discuss this because it's something I'm so passionate about, but Um, you know, a lot of people call me a TikToker first and foremost, or a lot of people say that I got my start on TikTok, but I didn't. Um, I got my start on Facebook before Facebook was anything. Um, my first viral video I had on Facebook was a Tim McGraw song. Um, that was viral in 2015. And then, um, the song that changed my life was a video that I did of Dolly Parton's Jolene that got 73 million Mm -hmm. views on Facebook. And that's what put me on my first tour and signed me my first record deal in 2013. And, or, I mean, I'm sorry, that's what put me on my first tour and then got me my second record deal in 2018. And How many so, have you had? I've had two. I've had two. And then during the TikTok craze where the labels were signing all the TikTokers, I could have signed with a lot of different people and I decided not to. I decided to stay independent. I, so here's the thing you, you were actually, uh, I'm sorry to anyone who is, I'm not telling this about, but you're actually one of the few social, I'm going to do this, social media influencers mm-hmm. that turned down a deal. And I, I know a couple of people who've like, who've, who've 
want to cheer for a fact. I, I know that for a fact or a couple labels, but turn that into both. But in my opinion, it was very smart to turn down those deals because after, because, and this is nothing against artists or nothing against, but it's part of the game because there's a, there's a lot of TikTokers, social media influencers who got signed that now you really don't hear anything about, or radio isn't playing their music or whatever. Um, and it just ends up being where it's not a good deal financially right? for these artists. Yes. Yeah, financially. That's me. Like people educate yourself. <laughs> Labels do give you money, <laughs> but you got to pay that back. 100%. <laughs> but I think that people, I think that that's, that's kind of the thing. I think it's very smart of you to not, um, to not do that. Um, Thank you. Because like, like I said, you, and you could, especially, and I hate to say it, but even as a female artist in this country music world, it kind of, it, it's, it's very, it's harder for you guys to even get pushed by labels, which sucks, but it's very hard. So for you to be doing this on your own and, and gaining that many numbers with your own team that you built without a label and to get on tour, I mean, seriously, people, you, you're on tour with Tim McGraw. Um, that's saying something, you know what I mean? That's a, that's a testament to your hard work and your talent. And as you said, the songs. Thank you. You know, when we were talking earlier about there are steps, there are steps that an artist has to take. And I'm fully aware that I skipped a couple of those steps and going directly to um, an amphitheater tour with one of the biggest names in country music. Um, normally it doesn't work that way. And there are a lot of people that were like, this doesn't make any sense for her to be on this tour. And you know, what's really crazy is by the time that I'm done telling my story, because nobody knows, it's just so, I feel like I've lived four different lives and everybody is just a part of my fourth life right now, but they have no idea, um, you know, what I did prior. Nobody has any idea that I was like in closets in, you know, like St. Louis apartments, recording any hook that any hip hop artist would let me be on when I was 18 years old, which got me to be able to work with Huey and Nelly. And that's how I signed my first record deal. Nobody knows that I was in R and B and hip hop for years. No, I mean, like nobody knows that I had two record deals that I had a Netflix original series. Like there are so many, like there are so many lives that I've lived. Um, it's that crazy I because I, I didn't even know that. And I researched I you and I, and I didn't even know that. I know. I know. I know it's nuts, you know, and so so, it sounds like you've been through a whole lot in this industry. I have, I have, um, but it, it made me ready for this tour. And that's why I think, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I, I got a lot of really great feedback after this tour. And I feel like a lot of people who are non-believers, I made them believers when they came and watched the show. And I think that a lot of people just expected me to look like a fish out of water on my first amphitheater stage, but I've been doing this for so long and I have had all of the ups and downs and I have, I have grinded my way here to the nail, you know? And so I was ready. I was ready when I got on that stage, I was ready. And I told, and I, I, told I told someone about you were talking, we were talking about like just other people and, and, um, and we were talking about, you know, influencers and people, these new, newer acts that are coming in that are, they, where they think that they're ready, but they're not ready. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm like, and I was after hearing like all the, like you said, you've been getting great feedback. I've been hearing, I mean that my phone has been blowing up. <laughs> my phone, I've been like, seriously, it's been like great feedback about you in this town. And when you had, when I, I always tell people, when the time comes for you, when you start out and do something with, with music, whatever, um, there's going to come a time where there's, you're going to be put to a test and you have to be ready for, you have to be ready to take that test. It doesn't matter what it is. It, it doesn't matter, you know, how inconvenient it is, how convenient it is or whatever. It's one of those where like, Hey, I have this opportunity for you. All right. I'm ready. I have all my, I have all my shit prepared. I have all my, my ducks in a row. Like let's do it. You know, and I, I think that you, because you've done this for so long, he said, 
you you're you were ready for this amphitheater tour because you've done this for so long so you were already prepared to do it didn't have to be tim mcgraw it could have been anyone else whoever it was you already had your mindset mindset made up and your shit are prepared that whoever it was you were going to be ready and i think a lot of people miss that miss that mindset or confuse that mindset with oh i'm ready when you're you're really you're still green not right. there's anything wrong with that no and there's not but i also think that it's it's about recognizing that and yeah. being mature enough to say i'm not ready you know when i look back on when i signed my second record deal in 2018 major label i was not ready and and whenever i got dropped i was i i knew it i knew why I fully knew why I did not know who I was as an artist. Who is Alexandra Kay? What do I want to put out? I'd be an art. I've been a hip hop artist. I've been an R&B artist. Now I'm back to country and my pop country and my traditional country. I, I sound like Dolly Parton and Alison Krauss, but I want to be like Kelsey Ballerini. What do I want? You know? Mm-hmm. And so when you walk into rooms and executives are like, who are you? And you don't have an answer. You're not ready. You need to cultivate that. You need to sit in your office with your sure microphone and your headphones, and you need to find your sound before. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I, you know, and that's that's the hardest thing for artists, aside from like the business and aside from the writing every day and the creative process or anything. That is the that finding what your sound is and finding your little niche and finding who you want to be as an artist is the hardest thing I think for an artist because. You try because you're you're you have so many people around you and so many things around you that's so influential where it's like you're trying to not be like someone else and you're trying to be the first person. I I don't like like I always say I always say I want to be the next I want to be the next Steve Harvey. No, maybe I shouldn't want to be the next Steve Harvey. Maybe I should just be the first Marcus Coger. Sure. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So it's like I think people like also just like you get so caught up in who's around and you get so caught up in the music that's being out that it's like you try to be, I think a lot of labels, a lot of labels in the past, I think they've tried to recreate someone that are already successful with, with a different artist. Right. And they're not that artist. So it's, it, it kind of, it sucks that it happens, but it's just a form, it's a formula here. And sometimes you have to fuck the formula up. Right. To realize who you no. are. You know what I think? I think people overcomplicate a lot of things in this town. Yes. Um, I was having that conversation at dinner the other night with someone and I, I said, I was like, why, why are we overcomplicating everything? Create, continue to create, create with conviction. And, and who cares what it sounds like? It's going to sound like you because you're creating it. So just be true to what you want to say and how you want to say it. And Figure it out later. Like, why, why do we have to say, oh, it's just, oh, we're crossing the line here. We're too far out of the box. Reel it in. No, if that's where I want to go, that's where I want to go. And I'm going there for a reason. And that's the thing, too, is that we label and label and label and label. And I don't get it. You know, my new record that I have coming out, um, there were so many times in my mind when we were, when we were producing it that I was like, this is leaning towards pop country and, and everybody likes my classic country sound. And what if it does this? And what if people think it's this and it's this and it's that? And then I was just like, um, it's out of my hands. I'm creating it to be what I want it to be. And if my heart feels like it needs to lean this way, then that's where I'm going to go. And it's my debut album. At this point, I don't have a record label leaning over my shoulder saying it's got to be this. It's got to be that. I don't have, you know, any, I don't have anybody telling me I got to stay inside a box. So why would I put myself inside a box? And so, you know, there are a lot of songs on this record that, that feel a little more edgier than anything I've ever done. And I'm, I light on fire when I perform them live. I'm just like, I, I thank God every single day that I, that I did this the way that I did it. And, and I think people are going to love it. Yeah, it's because it's because it's you because, you know, like you said, it's who you are. It's who you it's who you're trying to it's who you're not trying to, but who you're putting out to the world. 
of right. yourself and it's very authentic and i think people nowadays you, you miss some authenticness with some people and that's okay it happens you become successful whatever way you were to do it that's all fine well and good everyone have everyone has a different success story sure um but you you have to be authentic to yourself to have the loyalty of the people and for people to want to invest in listening to your music or going out and buying your music, actually go buy the music because she makes more money that way, guys. Um, Wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you. Don't, don't just stream it. She makes more money <laughs> buying music, guys. Just go buy it. Go buy it. This goes go back go. into the business, guys. Yeah. <laughs> more music. <laughs> Uh, I, told like, someone, I told someone that the other day, you were like, we were talking about Spotify, not Spotify, but like just all the streaming channels are like, oh, yeah, by the time you, by the time you, you, you'll be able to pay, you pay for a house in the next 10 years, 15 years right. off of your royalties. <laughs> like, no, tell people to go buy your shit. And you want to know what's crazy is um, the fact that some of these deals that I was being offered during the TikTok signing craze. I thank God every day I didn't sign them. I would not, I'm telling you right now, I would not be able to survive. I would not be surviving financially currently yeah. if I, I would I, sign those deals. I had, so I, I, there were deals like that, but there were also deals where I know that someone had a multi-million dollar deal with a label. Yeah, yeah, same. And that person hasn't played the radio in like a year. We're probably thinking of the same person. Probably. So it's like, but yeah, but it's like, so it's like, you're not getting, you're not recouping that money right now, buddy. You're not doing shows. you like, so it's like, you're kind of screwed right now in your deal, unless there was like some type of clause or something in the deal, which I highly doubt, but you're not recouping that money. So you're kind of stuck in this rut that you're in and they're not going to labels for lack of a better term are not going to fuck with you. If you're not making the money, that's a business, but that's just a business. That's not anything personal labels or anything personal. No, sure. It's it's really not. And that's the thing that I tell everybody all the time, because I think that, that my, me being so honored to be an independent artist and to be able to have the creative freedom and the financial freedom that I have And to be able to do the things that I've done as an indie artist, like I think that people kind of get gets misconstrued a little bit as I'm kind of like F the labels, which I absolutely am not. Right. Um, And I say all the time, I'm like, when the right deal comes along, I will sign my third record deal when the right deal comes along. But unfortunately I am getting, I have been in the past handed developmental deals when I am not a developmental artist and I have worked my butt off to develop myself. And at this point, the fans are there in, in by the millions, you know what I mean? And so, so the fans are there and I've worked very, very hard. I've not slept for the last five years to make sure that those people are there and that they feel appreciated and heard and that they know that I would not be where I am without them every single day. And it would need to be that my relationship with my fans doesn't change when I sign. It would need to be that my creative freedom is still heard in these rooms and is still represented properly in production. Yep. I can't tell you how many times I've heard about people that get signed to labels and, and people and some fans say, oh, they were better before they were signed. I mean, I, I, can't I think, tell you. I also think that that is just something that that fans really like to feel like they um, they helped get you there, which they yeah. totally did. They totally did. But I think that there has been a little bit of like a stigma around like sellouts mm-hmm. and and it's like not every deal is someone selling out, you know. I mean, right. look at Jelly Roll. <laughs> Come on, I mean, he got an incredible deal. That Jelly Roll sense. got an incredible deal. He's an, an amazing human being. He's on three different genres on the radio right now. Absolutely crushing, playing Bridgestone. I mean, I like, think he has. I think he has. I think he has a top ten hit right now. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. top twenty. He had a number one song at alt radio, which is the same song that's playing on country. I mean, it's, I mean, he's changing the game. And the best part about it all is that he came to the table with a plan, with fans in place that love him, that care about him, Mm -hmm. with 
money because he was able to keep everything he's made because he hasn't given 80% up to a label at this point. So he came with capital and he was like, I don't need, I don't need an advance. Keep your advance. I don't need it. You know, yeah. I've got this in order to invest in my career because that's what we're doing as independent artists. We've all got nest eggs. Like people think like, sure. Am I making more money than probably some of the people on labels because I own everything? Uh, yes. Um, but the difference is all of that money goes into an account and it goes right back out. I pay for every single music video myself. I pay for every single person on my payroll. I pay for every my tour bus all the gas that goes in, you know, there are shows where I go out and I play a show because I know it's going to be beneficial for me and I will lose $3,500 playing that show. But so like, but all of that is part of a business plan that I run. And so when the money goes in, it goes right back out, which is different when it comes to label. She's a boss ass. (laughs) She's a boss ass. It's a boss girl. It's a boss girl. She's a girl. No, and that's and I think that the fact that you're able to do that is incredible without a label. And it, I mean, again, it's a testament to your hard work and a testament to your struggles that you've gone through and the lessons that you've learned in this industry on how to maneuver. This isn't just like a rodeo where you just like you know get on a bike where you you can get on a bike and just start pedaling. And all of a sudden, you're gonna stand up straight. No. No, you got to fall down a couple of times before you, before you, with without training wheels. Boy, have I! Yeah, you got to fall I mean, down I've, a couple of times before you, before you realize super... how to balance yourselves. Right, and you got to learn. You've got to learn like who who do you trust and how important trust is. Yes, and how and how important it is. To, how important your energy is and the people that you have around you, making sure everybody has good vibes and they're good people and you trust them. And, you know, I mean, we live, we talk about this all the time, but on the road, I mean, we live in a metal tube for two months and like very, very close quarters with these people. And these people are my family. I, I, everybody asks me all the time, like, how do you stay sane on the road? And I'm like, you keep good company. That is the only thing. That and alcohol. That and alcohol. (laughs) That and after show drinks. That's exactly. the only way. It's the only way of doing it. Just doing they it. stayed on the road. But I but I love it. Um, you know, I went to my manager Beth and I said, she was like, you know, we were going, we were putting together what we were gonna do for this year. So prior to getting the Tracy Lawrence and Clay Walker tour, this was prior to getting the Tim McGraw tour. And I said, I want to write, I want to cut. And I want to be on the road. Those are the three things I want to do. So, and I mean, I've been on the road the entire year writing while on the road. I mean, I'm only home like three days a week. So, what? I know. which is why I've been in this house for six months and my office just still is boxes. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. That's all right. But, I've been uh, in my apartment. I've been in my apartment for close to a year and I'm still not unpacked. <laughs> I literally have box. I have boxes in my closet that I'm like, I'm gonna have to unpack these. But then here, but then it's like, here I am again. I'm thinking about moving yet again. <laughs> right. At least I'm already packed. <laughs> I know Indiana and I were just talking about this. I was like, I really love our area that we live in in Nashville. And we don't, hold on. I have a question. Have you ever been to Nashville Shores? No, and I've been here for 13 years. That okay? There's like a water park. Yeah, where we never, I've never been there. We went yesterday. It was like our like our first day. We've seen each other in a month. And he was like, I want to go to this water park. It was so much fun. They had like a bar. And so like we like sat there and had drinks before and like let the lines like kind of like die down. Let the yeah. kids kind of like tire out and go home. And then like the last three hours, we were able to basically run up to any water slide and just go right down it. Okay, I'm going to Nashville. Shore. It was so fun. You can they must, they must they must have improved it because back in the day there was there was a lot of shit talking about it back in the day when I first. Oh really? Oh, we yeah. had so much fun. So they must have improved it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had a few white claws before we started going down the slides, but we had so much fun. <laughs> favorite favorite flavor of white claw? Black cherry. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So here's my thing. I am not a seltzer person at all. Okay. However, I will. Uh, drink some black cherry high noons really i've not had that flavor of high noon but i will not drink a black cherry at white claw okay okay why what is the difference do you think i don't i the, it, there's a i mean there's like the right amount of balance of black cherry flavor in the high noon and for me i think in the white claw one i don't think there's enough 
Okay. Okay. I could see that. Now I love my favorite flavor of high noon is pineapple. Won't touch it. Love the pineapple. You're Won't touch it. <laughs> I love the pineapple. Oh. Won't touch it. Someone handed me one from Ted Tim Rick the other day and it was a pineapple. And I didn't realize when I drank it, I'm like, <laughs> 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 It's so good. But I will say like above all, I'm a beer girl. I drink beer. That's just, that's usually my drink of choice. What's I your drink beer? Bush light. Ugh. I like bush. What is wrong with you? You're tripping. You're I grew tripping. up in Southern Illinois. Okay. Listen, we got what we could get. Bush light. Oh my gosh. We used to drink Keystone. Did you ever Keystone. drink Keystone? I hate it. So I don't drink so Keystone. Cheap, I don't drink I don't drink Keystone. I don't drink Natty Light. I don't drink Natty. Oh man, Natty was so cheap. It was like all we could afford. So when we, when I was in college, um, there was a place in Murfreesboro. I went to MTSU. There's a place in Murfreesboro, and Thursday nights they had uh, free bottles until midnight, mm-hmm. and then free draft all night long. So the free draft was just all Natty. So I like talked to like the bartender. I'm like. <laughs> How did they make money having free drafts? Because it was like ten dollars to get in. Oh, okay, okay. So girls, was, girls were free. Guys were at ten dollars to get in. Oh, okay. It was like a ladies' night situation. Yeah. And then you were, and then I mean that that draft beer really because they were probably in like smaller cups. Like smaller yeah. cups. Yeah, yeah. And then they were they were like. Yeah, I don't know how it, it's still open, but it's still open. So I don't know how it stayed open all these years. That's crazy. What's it called? <laughs> Whiskey dicks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> D-I-X, guys, D-I-X, D-I-X. Wow, this conversation took a turn. Took a turn real quick. <laughs> I knew it would. I love you. Oh, okay, I'm gonna, find, I'm gonna find that place. Yeah, it was. So I just talked about it with someone the other day because I was like, <laughs> it's like remember, I remember the days where I because they someone who looked at Murphy's Brown. I'm like, is this still there? <laughs> And she's like, yeah, I think it is. And I'm like, how does that place just stay open? Because it made no money. Because we were only going Thursday night because Thursday night was when they had the free drinks. Right. I had it so I was smart. The guy, the bartender, I was like, I don't like Natty Light. And I'm like, I'm not drinking Natty Light. I'm like, can I have a Corona? And I would only pay 50 cents a bottle for Corona. Wow. So I would give him a dollar. So I would would give him a dollar every tip. Right. So I'll give you a whole, I'll give you a whole 100% tip on top of that. So there you go. <laughs> that is crazy. Did you ever work at a bar? Yeah. A security guard at one. A security oh. guard at four, four here in town. Which ones? The famous ones. That every the famous artist, ones? That every artist goes to in Midtown. I love that. Those, okay. Those those two that that have a good old whiskey jam there every, worked at those the, and the one For downtown. Were those some pretty good years for you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Man. AK, hell no. Hell no. What's not? <laughs> hell no. Thank God for COVID. Because if it was, I was still be there. <laughs> You're like, I'm out. I'm out. This is I my out. out. This is my out. I am not going back. Like, no. Yeah. Man. You know, was, we were at, we were playing, uh, <laughs> We were playing Rib Fest in Chicago last week. And afterwards, you know, I went out. I love the whole carnival situation. So we went out, we were riding the rides and like doing the whole thing, whatever. And we walked up to one of these games and it was a dark game. And I was just like, they're like, oh, yeah, you should play. My content guy was like, oh, let's play this. Like, I'm just going to get some content and be playing this. (laughs) And I was just like, bop, 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 (laughs) bop. And I turned around, my manager, my content guy, everybody's like, what was that? And I was like, guys, I worked at a bar. I was a bartender for so <laughs> many years. Like when no one was in the bar, I just played darts. Like that was it. It's helped me out. It's, I will tell you this though. It has helped me out working at a bar here in town because of the fact that it was two, it was bars that people went to. Like everyone in town goes to those two bars. Right. So it was bars that everyone went in town. So now it's like, I don't really wait in line when I go to bars anymore. Right. Because so, I end up knowing the security guard or I know the person who's, who's a manager now or like, and it's just like, so it's one of those where I'm kind of spoiled. So if someone that I don't know is not, is not working the door. Well, I mean, like every time I've been out with you, you're basically a celebrity. Like, I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't know that you even can walk through a crowd without getting stopped. I like get to talk to you for like two seconds and then someone's like, oh my God. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm just like, there he goes. See you later, friend. There he goes. There he goes. Yeah, no. Uh... Yeah, someone says it. So I have friends. I was like that in high school, though. I had like I would go around town and people would my grandma would be like, you're like the freaking mayor because everyone freaking knows you. I know. I'm like, there I'm goes like, I don't, Marcus. I'm like, I'm just friends with everybody. What they want. <laughs> just friends. It's like talking to everybody. I'm just like friendly. No, I don't, I don't sure. find a person that I don't actually. That's a lie. I'm the type <laughs> of person that if I talk to you, I know within five minutes if we're going to be friends yeah, or not. I'm also a person, if I talk to you within five minutes, I, and I know that we're not going to be friends and I know that I'm not going to like you, you won't ever hear from me again. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Instagram where you want. You won't get a follow back. <laughs> you know what? You know what, though? I like that. You're very protective of your time and your energy. And it's, I am. Like, it's not going to be that. Why force it? I, on the other hand, <laughs> and like, I'm going to make them like me. I'm going to make them like me. Me, I'm just like, I don't give a fuck if you like me or not. <laughs> it's the people pleaser in me, I think. I think it's, and you know what's crazy? It's like a lot of artists have that people pleaser trait. Yeah. I've, re- I've, I've noticed that. Like, I got rid of it. I got rid of it. Yeah. I mean, I think I kept getting hurt. So it's like, right. People kept trying to take advantage of the niceness. And so it's like, I've literally developed an asshole trait in this town, mm-hmm. which sometimes you have to develop. Right. And which, and like, I like, and I know how, I know when to flick it off. I know when to flick it on, but it's like, it's very rare when I have to turn it on because no one wants to, no one in the industry or whatever wants to do you wrong in public. They'll do you wrong behind closed doors or that sounded wrong, but um, they'll do you badly, like treat you badly behind closed doors and like, or, you know, keep it quiet. But, but as far as like in public, no one wants to do it because no one looks like a bad guy. Right. Um, so, but, but, and it took me a while to learn that. It's just one of those where I, I had to, I had to develop an asshole trait because there were people and opportunities getting going to someone else because I wasn't aggressive of that for, I wasn't, you know, stern enough about things. It's just like, if I turn stern, you're not going to like me. So I have to be, I have to be okay with you not liking me in order for me to be able to stand up for myself. Sure. That's the way it is. That's how I look at it with everything. Now I, so I when I'm first, moved here, I had the people people's trait and then I got rid of that shit real quick. I mean, I completely understand why I think that, I had to develop thicker skin. Mm-hmm. Um, the longer that I was in this business and the more that my, my, my business grew. And I think um, the more people that started to follow me on social media, really, really, I mean, it was tough. It was really, really tough for me as just someone who, to be completely honest, like I, I love everybody and I'm, I am very empathetic person. And I feel like I, which is why I think I started writing songs so young as I just overfeel everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and I take on a lot of other people's weight as well. But I think a part of that is just the people pleaser trait in me as well, where I just want everyone to be happy. And I just want, you know, to be loved by everyone. I don't know why, um, but that's something that I've always had, but I, you know, I think that as I started to grow as an artist and I, you know, when it goes from, and I tell younger artists all the time, anybody who asks for advice or when I'm on podcasts, I always tell them that, you know, that you are becoming successful and you are reaching other people, brand new people. When you start to see hate comments, if it's just your grandma and your mom and your cousin watching you, of course, they're going to be like, you are the best things in sliced bread, but not everybody is going to like you. And so when you are opened up to millions of people, I mean, like I, I think last year, I've, the stats are somewhere, but last year we counted it up and I had something like just on TikTok alone, I had like 238 million video views. You've, said, you've, you've opened yourself up to the keyboard warriors, as I call them. Yeah. And you, and like you said, you have to have tough skin. You have to have, you have to be okay with putting yourself out there and knowing one, yes, you want everyone to like you because that's what you want to do. That's, that's who you are. And that's what you want to be. Yeah. yeah. But 
you have, but there's going to be people that you know that you're not, you know, deep down, some people you're not going to convince them like you, which is fine. Your, no. your, your, your music and your personality is not for everyone. No. Hello, brother Osborne. There you go. There's your song plug. Um, <laughs> just song plug. Blows I'm not for everyone. I'm I love that song. I love that oh, damn song. Great song. Oh man. I love that song. Um, but you, you know what I mean? Like you're not, you're not for everyone. And that's, that's, but that's an everybody trait. That's whether you're an artist, not an artist or whatever, that's an everybody trait. You don't like, that's an everyday life trait. You're not for everyone. You're not going to be for everyone. If I don't, like you said, I value my time and I value my relationships around me. And I'm very protective of that. And like, I'm not going to sit here and waste my time or waste my energy that I can be doing to something, doing something else, being productive with something else that can help me grow rather than to sit here and be like, Hey, we just have coffee. Like the whole coffee thing in this town. Come on. Now. We all can be doing something. I get, this, I get, it's like a whole kickoff to a whole new, like to start being friends and blah, blah. in this industry, like, no, come on now. <laughs> Let my work speak for itself. Yeah. Like if you, if you, if you want to, you want to do something with me, here's my email coffee. Let's let's not waste the three dollars. <laughs> Starbucks. Starbucks is getting expensive. Starbucks is getting really expensive, and I'm tired I know. Of, I'm tired of writing them off. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know it's 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 something that I, I definitely I watched myself grow so much, and there were so many days whenever I mean I Marcus like I I've been horrible things like these people would be saying horrible. I mean I just had okay so yesterday. Um, I've been getting a lot of comments about, I'm about, about like weight gain lately. So I've had a lot of just comments on Facebook about me gaining weight. And, um, I, I posted this picture of, it was like me and 10 of my friends were doing like a Sunday fun day. And we had like $70 worth of Zaxby's like laid out on the thing. And I had like a mimosa in my hand and I was like a proper Sunday fun day. And as soon as this picture went up, it was like nonstop people being like, you're already gaining weight. Like you do not need to be eating this. You need to eat healthier. You need to blah, blah, and all this stuff. And I was just like, and I never, I never ever stick up for myself in this way to people. I usually just ignore it, but this, this thing had gotten like, I don't know, it was like barely any likes, but it was getting like a lot of comments. And then, so I posted a comment underneath that said, um, I didn't know that I had to preface this, but this is for 10, me and 10 of my friends. Also, some of you seem to think that it's appropriate to comment about my weight. I'm just here to remind you that it is not appropriate to comment about my weight. Thank you. I love you. And I hope you have a great Sunday. And that post went crazy. It was like, just one, because nobody is used to me saying anything like sticking up for myself at all. You know? Yeah. Cause you, you better than me. Cause I would have been cursed. Not most of us on. on. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I think, there's a, I think there's a way to just be like, this is inappropriate. And also I felt a responsibility for these people. If they are commenting about weight gain on my posts, they're doing it on other people's posts as well. And so I just felt the responsibility to be like, this is not okay to do this. So just think what you want to think. You do not need to type it out in a comment and make somebody feel bad. You know, yeah, like what's the, like, what are you going through in your life that that you have to you have to project that onto someone else? Obviously, something crazy. Like there's and, some, and, there's some some real negative shit that you got to be yeah. going through for you to project that negativity on someone else. I hate when people do that. I know me too. And so I try to just think about it from that standpoint of, you know, you must be really sad. I've never I've never. <laughs> It has never crossed my mind to write something nasty on a post for someone else. No. Never. No. It never and, has. And I've even gone through some really, really crazy stuff and like really have been in a dark place and I still don't go there. So you must. It's crazy. You know? You gotta but yeah. love everybody. You gotta love everybody. Yeah. No matter what. And be kind to people. I saw Kip Ellen, but no, just be kind. No, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, so. Wrap up here, um, but I gotta I gotta talk to you before we before we uh, go because I didn't know this until I think we were, we ran to each other at Red Door was the first time we met. Yes, um, I was very very drunk. <laughs> I didn't even notice. 
notice you hit it so well. I hit it so well. I can hide it very well. I'm not going to lie. I can hide, but I'm also the first person to tell you that I'm drunk. Like I'm, the, I'm the first, I'm that guy. I can hide it, but I'm the first one to tell you like, I'm, I'm, I'm a little fucked up right now. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think you had your family there with you. I did. My, my in-laws were in town. Yeah. So that's when I found out you were married. And yes. then, I, and then today, and I'm like, I was like talking to one of our mutual friends, Rachel. And I was like, she's married. Right. And it's like, yeah, she's like, but it's been like a year for them or a little over. And I'm like, what? And she goes, but they've been together for 10 years. So I'm like, what? <laughs> she goes, yeah. And I'm like, you're kidding. No. No, and I'm like, okay. And then that's when I like, because I was listening to music, I was listening to music on the way here. And so I was like, oh, that's what love is. That's what the song's about. That's what it's about. What it's about. Yes. So tell us about Indy. Oh, How did you meet Indy? I met Indy in high school. So he grew up a town over from me, about 15 minutes away. He grew up in Millstock, Illinois. I grew up in Waterloo, Illinois. Um, and we are both really small towns. And so um, there was a couple other surrounding small towns. And so we would like run into each other at like houses, like house parties and in high school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so like we... I believe it was like we had a mutual friend because one of his friends ended up going transferring to Waterloo, my high school. And so my friend started dating his friend and I would just see him. And I was just always like, oh, he's so cute. You know, but he like dated he was dating someone else and I was dating someone else. I had a boyfriend for like two years and he had a girlfriend for like two years. And so it was just never a thing. But I just remember being like, he's so cute. And then fast forward to my senior year and um, I broke up with my boyfriend. He broke up with his girlfriend and our friends were like, Oh my gosh, we have to get them together. And we met, we talked a little bit, but it never really went anywhere. And then three years later I ran into him again and it was just on and popping. You ran into him by chance. Yeah. So I had my boyfriend and I, when we were broken up with our significant others, my right. boyfriend and I ended up getting back together after Indy and I parted ways and stopped talking. Right. Um, this is very short. It was like a couple of weeks. We were like texting and whatever. And uh, I really liked him a lot. And he ended up like ghosting me <laughs> our senior year in high school. And so I got back with my ex three years goes by. I, my ex and I break up and, um, I, I think I was like at my house for like a couple of weeks and my girlfriends were like, yo, you need to get out of this like bunk and we have to go out. And I was just like, okay, like, let's go do something. And they said, we're going to go hang out with the Millstop boys. And I was like, okay, had no idea where we were going to be going. Indy was completely out of my brain at this point. I like hadn't seen him in years. And then I, we show up to the house and knock on the door and it's his house. And I was just like, hi. He was like, hi. And I was just not in the mindset at all to be around boys or like think about any. I was so upset about my boyfriend breaking up with me. And I was just like, so upset. And then that night we just ended up talking like all night, hanging out all night long. And then um, I've been with him ever since for 10 years. Wow. Crazy, right? But it was like destiny. Like I met him. I, I would so say that's, that's destiny for sure. Yeah. I met him. I remember one time I ran into him at a gas station because I was doing musical theater in Belleville, which is like a town over from Millstock. Mm -hmm. And I, you know what musical theater makeup looks like? Like it's not attractive. Like I looked like a clown. <laughs> I looked like a clown. Okay. I have not seen this boy. I'm walking into the gas station. And someone opens the door for me and I was just like, thank you. And he was like, Lexi, everybody's called me Lexi my whole life. Yeah. And I was like, he was like, Lexi. And I was like, turned around. And I was like, oh my gosh. And he was like, <laughs> he goes, you look good. <laughs> I was like, thanks. <laughs> and I got in the car and I called my best friend. And I was like, oh my gosh, Indiana Touche just saw me with stage makeup on. And I look like a clown. <laughs> and then like it was I think a couple months later that we ended up getting together but crazy yeah and uh, wow. and so Indy's been with me since through it all through 
we were talking about it last night, actually. Uh, I said, isn't it so crazy that you were like the one of three people sitting on a bar stool, like with a beer watching me play and like, just giving me that look whenever, like, every, like it's going to be okay. You know, hello. Oh, just oh you're on the camera. <laughs> Talking sad. <laughs> <laughs> Babe, I'm telling them how great you are. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I was like, I know you hear me talking about you. Exactly. I was waiting for him to walk in. I, I was you. waiting for him to come walk in. He was like, I know, I'm just kidding. I love you. <laughs> um, and so I um yeah, I I remember him just being like the only person sitting there and just looking at me like it's gonna be okay, like people are gonna walk in. It's going to be fine, you know, or me crying and being like, I don't know, I'm going to pay my bills because I'm trying to make money off of music. And then I mean, I wasn't getting paid enough and it's just, yeah, it was nuts. And then when I got cast in West side on Netflix mm-hmm. um, and I came into the house, I got the phone call that I, that I was the last cast made to get cast. And then I had to move to Los Angeles in 30 days. And I came inside and I just like ran up to him and I was like, I got it. Like, I'm moving to LA and he just like picked me up and just spun me around and was like the most loving and supportive. And I just was like, what other, what other human being wouldn't be like, do we need to talk about this? Like you're moving to LA. He was just like, we're going to figure it out. Like you have to do this, you know? And yeah, couldn't, I wouldn't be where I am without him. That's for sure. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I love it. And that's what I love it. <laughs> I fucking love that. That's a that's a love, that's a love story for for sure. It really is. Um, we didn't get to talk about music. However, we will have you back for part two. Yeah, we can talk for hours. You know, me and you can talk. I, we, <laughs> this is the first time we've had a one on one conversation besides like hi and bye and how you been doing. Yeah, because Mister Popularity is getting pulled all over the place I all the time. <laughs> I'm just waiting for someone to pull you from the conversation and be like, oh, I forgot that she's got, she's becoming famous. I forgot. She's forgetting about the little people over here. <laughs> You'll never get that from me. I promise. I'll be like, one second. I'm talking to my friend. What? <laughs> oh, but I'm gonna let you go. Cause this, this, this has been, I'm glad we get to talk about real shit, not just not just like, you know, not just trying to promote something or whatever. This has this been a real conversation, which is what I want this podcast to be over the years is a real conversation, not just promoting shit. You know, I'm like, I was just thinking that I was really excited. I'm really excited for this to come out. I'm really excited for, to be able to share this with my audience. Yeah. Um, it's, it's always the same. You know what it's like. I mean, a lot of the times it's always the same questions. It's the same answers. It's the same things. And we touched on a lot of things that I don't really talk about. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I love that. And I think you're killing it, man. You already I appreciate know that. that. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, I got to talk about something off record too, by the way. Um, but uh, this has been another episode of Smoking Section Podcast with the one, the only, the incomparable Alexandra Kale. She's a badass. Go buy. Go buy her music. Not, not just streaming. Buy it. Thank you. You're the best. You're listening to The Smoking Section. Powered by Symphonic.